Brotaku, Men of Culture, Games Weekly. Oh, shit, I didn't change the episode number either. <laughs> Brotaku, Men of Culture, Games Weekly, episode 13, recorded January 27th, 2020. It's about 4.30 in the afternoon. I am your host, Aaron, joined by the Hispanic of culture, Jordan Diaz. Yes, uh, glad to be here, glad to put a little culture into what many would seem as a, you know, primarily white male dominant uh, category of speaking. I'm going to turn our gain down a little bit on this. I apologize for anybody ear holes if during that intro. <laughs> they all know to stay away from the mic, uh, from the speaker when you introduce yourself, of course. Right. Because we all know what's coming. I was looking at like what the like cheap, decent mics that a lot of podcasts use are. $400 a mic. $400 a mic. So we're going to sound like this for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's fine. I've, I've heard of it before and... Uh, it, once if we ever like start streaming and stuff like that, that's that'll be something that maybe we split. I think what I need to do is I need to go through and I need to actually make us a thumbnail, like a generalized thumbnail, so that way if we ever do decide we want to try to make money off this someday, they don't come and sue us for the thumbnails I find. <laughs> and I try to grab thumbnails off like the official websites of places. Yeah. Which probably isn't any better, but you know, press release, <laughs> like pr- press kits and stuff. I try to yeah. get like press kit pictures, so. Please don't sue us. We're not making any money off this right now. Yeah. I will gladly take anything you need me to take down down. Yeah, if, if you need to destroy our hobby, just in case, then please don't. <laughs> I spent $3 on a adult beverage for tonight. And, um, you know, if you sue me, I'm never going to be able to do this again. <laughs> I just got back from the grocery store. Just a little quick run to get some uh, adult beverages for tonight. So Wasn't tonight the night off? Tonight is, tomorrow is the night off. I mean, tomorrow I have off. Tonight we celebrate. Uh, I thought I thought last week, because I went to fight night last week, I thought t- this week was the week off fight it night. It is the week off fight okay, night. Okay. Seth and I are drinking you, you and Seth are getting <laughs> drunk. Me, Seth, yeah. <laughs> That's so cute that you guys have, like, your own date nights. It's, like, <laughs> once like, a month it has to be us. Like, it's kind of a joke, but it really is. Like, we put that in order just because, like, monetarily, like, uh, when we do fight nights, we go like in a rotation of who pays for the food and stuff like that, and um, which is why I only join once in a while so I can stay <laughs> out of that rotation, but still get to enjoy. Yeah, and um, which is fine. It, it's not like if someone says, "Hey, look, I don't have any money for tonight," we're like, "Dude, we got you." Next so, time I find out, I can come. I'm cooking. You're cooking? Yeah, I'm That'd cooking. Be pretty awesome. We Seth loves doing that. Uh, I know our friend Sean loves doing that, too. And we are all excited when it happens. We're like, oh, we're not going to be eating a, a Popeye's chicken for once. And uh, Popeye's chicken is effing awesome. It's effing delicious. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Seth loves cooking. And uh, we do, like, a rotational thing. And then the reason why we have night off is because uh, a lot of us kind of get peopled out. Like, I know your sister gets peopled out. And uh, me and like Seth and I get people down. In fact, the reason why it's at our place is because um, he could just be like, "Okay, I'm done. Go yeah, home." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm like, oh, "I just gotta stay here." And it, I can't ever tell myself. I turn it up a little bit now. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I can't ever tell myself. Uh, oh, I don't want to go to this this week's fight night because I'm here. It's at my house. I live here. But yeah, so every once in a while, we set up. Uh, we set that. Uh, separate day because I usually sacred get time off. yeah i get monday nights off and i usually get tuesdays off uh and we have ourselves a little roommate time and 
Yeah, that it pretty much is heterosexual date night for us. All right, I love it. What what's on the agenda for heterosexual date night tonight, other than drinking? Uh, we both purchased a game that was seven bucks on Steam recently called For the King. Oh, I thought like next next time on. <laughs> next time on, yeah. Well, we'll talk about that too. Uh, and I'm gonna check that game out later because Mike rec- uh, recommended it. To yeah, us. and it is on sale right now. Yes. So and any I'm cheap, thinking about grabbing it too. Cheap little things like that, where like you can game and waste a little bit of your time on a budget, with, while feeling like pretty good. Uh, you like those, especially ones that have like replayability, like For the King. We bought that and we played it for like seven hours straight one night. Nice little segment into what have you been playing, yes, Jordan? That has been what I've been playing. Uh, for the King with Seth. And it's a three-player game. So there's been a lot of those recently. Because people realize that they don't have a four-person squad. <laughs> and then you get stuck in Fortnite with three people when you're trying to kill four people. It puts you at a disadvantage. Honestly, if you have a game like Fortnite that you have like the one, the two-player, and the four-player mode, just make the three-player mode. Yeah. And there's a lot of games that don't do that. I and know I, PUBG wouldn't. You know, and I can understand, you know, outside of your big three, your Apex, your Fortnite, your Apex Legends, you might not have the player base to run all four modes. But then at that point, just keep it with one and two. Like, just don't even offer large battles. But anyway, I'm sorry. Continue. Yeah. Three um, players. So it's three players, and it really works. I mean, you can play it by yourself, and you could just pilot three people. It's kind of like mixing Civ, uh, Civilization Five, and, like, Divinity... It's like untagonal, and you take your turns and stuff like that. And it's very like Dungeons and Dragons heavy as well. Okay. And they have a, uh, they have their own different campaigns and uh, difficulty levels. If you hear me clicking around, it's because I'm trying to pull my Steam up so I can see this. <laughs> yes, and it was only seven bucks for a while. Not bad. I assume that might be the case right now because that Luna sale is going on. I believe that is what I, I bought it on a Luna sale. Okay. So I don't know how long the Luna Sale is going on, so it may or may not be going on by the time you're listening to this. I believe it's still going on right now, though. Yeah, I watched a couple of YouTubers playing this game, and I was really excited for it. And I was like, I love watching this, and I love playing it. It is no longer on sale. No longer on sale. Okay. No longer on sale. So it right now, sale. Luna Sale's done. Right now, you can buy it for nineteen ninety nine. However, it does come with all five expansions. Yes. I was able... I have a bunch of um, different... They're like different campaigns you without having to have a dm you know there's a lot of dice rolling in it and stuff like that and there's there's loot and dungeons and such and we're having a grand old time right and there's now. pirate boats yeah there's, i'm a big there's fan a of pirate boats system in the game where you can buy a boat and then you fight when you're fighting on the boat there's two health bars there's the health bars of your characters and then there's the health bar of the boat and then they can do boat attacks instead of attacking you which damage your boat instead and once the boat damage hits zero then you die. This looks cool. It's super fun. Like I said, it's it's like tile based, and there's like dungeon crawling, and and each person takes their turn. There's a bunch of random events that all happen yeah. throughout the, the the map and stuff. The like Steam that. Store describes it for the key is a strategic RPG that blends tabletop and roguelike elements in a challenging adventure that spans the realms. Set off on a single player experience or play cooperative both online and locally into the deep adventure. Now available for free. What the heck? Uh, mommy? That's a strange thing. There's no place to click on here to get it for free. Yeah, no. <laughs> don't believe them when they say that. They probably didn't take it down. Maybe it was free during, like, uh, early access, maybe? Uh, but right now it does cost nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and that does come with the expansions. Maybe there's, like, maybe we're missing somewhere there's, like, a free version, and then Touché, there's the... yes. We are playing just the first adventure that they give you, but like they, like they said, uh, 
it is a roguelike in the fact that I've started three campaigns now, and in every single one of them I started differently. Because you can start different classes, you start getting different loot, you start having different events pop up during those games, and it makes every run different. And you get like heroes and different stories. Like Seth and I have two characters of our own, and then we made a character named Bait, who was just a tanky person that we were going to make like just the, the meat wall. Problem is, the, the gear that we were getting, the legendary gear and stuff like that, was all for Bait. So now Bait's become this legendary <laughs> champion who has a giant fire sword and can kill all the bosses in one hit. And now she's much more than just bait. Well, that's why you got to make switch and then gear switch out with all the legendaries. <laughs> so that way you're baiting them in with this the big tanky switch. guy and then you switch and just stab them. And you can totally do that too. There's a there's a taunt system in the game. You can be like a... I like the art style. Yes, yeah, Seth loved the art style too. It's very simplistic. It's kind of silly, cartoony. And at the same time, it keeps all the elements that you need. Like freaking grizzly bears in the game. If that sells anyone on it. It's got really cool like spell effects and things like that too. And... There's a lot of rock, paper, scissors going on, and it, it it's a lot of fun. We spent a lot of time into it so far, and we're planning on doing more tonight. Fun. So that was just one day, though. My goodness. <laughs> yes. Uh, just just my little plug-in for that, for what we've been playing. <laughs> Besides that, uh, how about you? First game for you. Oh, God. I've been playing WoW 8.3. How Not much of it. I've run a couple <laughs> five bands. I don't even have... So there's this new corrupted gear system in the game, which yes. thankfully has gotten rid of the Titan forging system, but replaced it with a system where you can get an upgrade. Level of corruption, I saw. Yeah, but, so I'll explain that. But you can basically get an upgrade and not be able to use it yet because yeah. of this corruption thing. And what the corruption does is every piece of gear that you get with corruption on it has a negative effect. However, you get this new legendary after you finish the questline. I have not done the questline yet because it's like three hours. I started it and like... I was 20 minutes in, and I'm like, I am so bored. Like, they need to do something with WoW Questing, because it is boring. Yeah. Like, they make you do a um, a scenario, and, like, just the first scenario, I was like, oh, my gosh, this sucks. And um, Blaine, a buddy of uh, Robert and Phil, uh, was all like, yeah, so it's basically just all scenarios and world quests that move up at, like, a percent of time to, like get to your legendary cloak eventually it takes like three hours apparently of just boring a boring grind for people who don't know who scenarios are scenarios are shorter three-man dungeons in world of warcraft most of the time you end up in them by yourself though yes most of the time you end up by yourself but there you don't really have to follow a role system when it comes to scenarios you right. can have three uh damage per second dealers and just mow them down it's just they want a lot of people to do it all yeah. at once. And back when it came out, it was cool. Like, it had promise, but they just never really did anything did with utilize it. it well other than that. now they're using it to tell stories, and it's just kind of boring. It is. I'd, I'd much rather they move away from the storytelling and have it become the more Raid Finder replacement, even. Like, if you, if you don't want to, if you're not a big dungeon person, the five man dungeons. Uh, I feel like three-man dungeons should be the thing you do before you start doing dungeons, even. That would be nice. That would be nice. But not how we it live not our what lives. We got. Uh, so anyway, though, you get this legendary cloak, and on this legendary cloak, you can power it up, and that negates some of the corruption, uh -huh. so the like negative effect on the corrupted gear isn't the same. You can cleanse the corrupted gear, but then it's not nearly as good, but at least it doesn't have the negative effect on it. So you run into this really terrible spot i feel and i haven't hit it yet because i haven't gotten to the point where i've unlocked the corrupted gear but i feel like you're going to get into this terrible spot where you're getting like an upgrade 
and you don't want to put it on because you can't really because the negative effect is too strong and then you also like you don't want to cleanse it because you don't want to like weaken it and then possibly not have it for when you can wear it which is ironic that blizzard has created this system considering they've got rid of so many enchanting slots they've gotten rid of so many gem slots they've gotten rid of um reforging all that stuff they got rid of because they wanted you to be able to just put on a piece of gear when you got it and then they've basically just gone and like shot themselves in the foot like they always do. I never did like that though in World of Warcraft. I I love the gem system. I love the enchanting system. It yeah. gave professions something to do. When they took yeah. those away, God it, forbid, huh? It destroyed the market. Like the literally, market. there's alchemy and alchemy. There's alchemy. That's it. <laughs> That's the only person making money off raids because everyone and their mother knows how to cook. So that you got your cooking food and you got your your potions and that's it. Before, back in the day, people wouldn't even, like, sniff you if you didn't have the right enchantment for your weapon. If they looked at your gear level and they saw you, that your sword wasn't enchanted, they'd be like, get out of here, kid. Come back when you when you earn yourself some money to buy an enchantment off the auction house. And if you don't, I don't want to ever see you ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's that way, too. And I, I loved making gems and finding out which ones were better for not just max D, like damage per second, DPS, but for my current situation. Sometimes in my gear, I'd be like, well, I know I'm supposed to slot these with haste gems, but I don't have the correct gear, so it would really benefit me for me to have critical gems in this right now because I have a lot more mastery than crit, and I need to have a lo this level of crit in order to do this much damage. And I love that kind of thinking and how different enchantments didn't, like, worked into that. But they, they dumbed down the system to the point where... It, I don't want to feel like I'm in my level 20s anymore. I want to feel like to get that extra little damage I need to pass through an encounter, I need to gem up my gear and I need to enchant my gear. And I like I, I feel like this corruption system would be good in a game that's not World of Warcraft. Well, and my big, like I said, my biggest issue is, is I'm glad it got rid of the Titan Forging, but if they're going to just keep throwing in random crap like this, like, please stop. Wow, part of the reason WoW Classic is so popular is because you just go get the gear Plus you want consistent. and you have it. Yeah, it's consistent. Like, that's it. You're done. Like, I, I don't like this. I don't like this, like, extra game bullcrap. Like, just get rid of it. Yeah, you it got seems, what you it want. It seems very arbitrary and artificial. Well, everything's artificial, but when I say artificial and organic, is if it feels smooth enough to, like, go in naturally into the gameplay. But when I say, like, artificial, that's when it's like... It's leading you somewhere, and then it takes a hard right, and you get like whiplash. Like, oh, okay, I guess we're doing this now. So that's where I see this coming from. Uh, the system itself sounds interesting because you, I'm always interested in gameplay. That's like, okay, like uh, you become a master of this. If in this situation you're amazing, but if you ever find yourself in this situation, you're screwed. And I'm okay with that. But not when it's something like World of Warcraft, where each encounter can be something vastly different. And um, the only other thing I want to mention about it is the people I'm playing with want me to work towards... So there's this new thing in the game, and there's actually a version of it in the Tower of the Damned going forward in Shadowlands. Yeah. But they have these things called the horrific, horrific Visions right now. And it is designed to be scalable between one and five players, and you can get gear all the way up to raid level gear using this so like you can get mythic level gear and basically the idea is you want to keep buffing up your your cloak because the your corruption level like when you first start running it you can't spend very much time in this horrific vision before you get booted out but the mm -hmm. longer you can spend in there the further you make it 
the better rewards you get. So oh, you want to keep buffing up your stuff that way. And I heard it gets easier when you add more people too. Like you can do it by yourself, but it's easier with even more people. Well, they need they need better. They they tampered with solo encounters a little bit with the challenges and Legion, which I was a fan of in concept. But when I started doing them, I realized, oh, I don't have the right legendary for this encounter. I'm not going to unlock my legendary artifact appearance. And I felt that way when I was playing Elemental and everyone online. There was almost no Elemental Shamans when it was released that did the specific quest for the challenge. Unless they had a specific legendary, which lets you stand still, uh, still through damage. And it was the legendary pants that were completely useless for anything else but that encounter. And I'm like... This legendary system is kind of garbage. <laughs> Indeed. Much like WoW 8.0 in general. Yes. Like, I'm so excited to get out of Battle for Azeroth, but I really don't have much I, hope. Yeah. I don't have much hope for this game at it, this point. Wizard does not seem to care. Was 8.0. Was like, the quickest I quit an expansion. Blizzard is, and I mean, it's fine. They're a company. They want to make money. But especially now that they've chased people out that actually do care, um, and now that they're J. Allen Brack's company, like they're just happy making mounts to put in the in-game store and mounts to yeah. make you buy six-month subs and Which we'll not trying very hard in the game. This. Yeah, we will. Later in the episode. Uh, the other big game I've been playing, Jordan, yeah. I picked up Temtem. I saw that. The yeah, shameless Pokemon it. ripoff. It's, it, <laughs> the way I would describe Temtem is what if they made a game out of all the Game Shark like inspired stuff on the box of like Pokemon <laughs> and put it in the game. <laughs> I will also describe it as what if Pokemon just made the game we wanted? It is an MMORPG and you see a ton of other people running around in the wild mm-hmm. or out in the area. You can challenge them to duels. You can group up with at least one other person right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so all the battles are 2v2 and with the 2v2 like if you group up with somebody else you each pick three Temtem to carry around in your party and then you put them out in two battles. If you're by yourself, you can carry six, and then you just throw two out. So like, you don't have to group up with other per- people. I have yet to group up with other people because the only other person I really know playing the game right now is Kyle, and Kyle is Kyle and is like 50 hours ahead of me. So Understandable, there's yes. that. Um, game looks very good. Uh, it had a rocky launch because so many people were hitting the servers, but they've stabilized it out now. It's running fairly well. Um, it's difficult. Unlike Pokemon, I'm dying. Like, I've wiped out a couple times, and I'm just like, oh, yikes. You told me it's because you couldn't rest in between a battle and the next one that happened. I don't see that as difficulty. As, like, you had a battle, you didn't have a chance to rest before getting into the next battle. And then that's what wiped out. But I think that part of it is difficulty, and it's it's a matter of what you're looking for. But, like, that's the thing. Like, you, like... Luckily, when I got back to that point, because like okay, like you said, I remember you talk what we're talking about now. There was a battle where like I battled this one guy and he brought me down to two Temtem, and then it just immediately threw me into another battle. But when I got back, when I walked back, it didn't make me do that first fight again. Yeah. So there was some difficulty there, but you know, like now I know that now when I'm going into these battles where like. Because, like, you saw, like, the two other people that challenge you and the yeah. boss, like, standing in the same room. Now when I go into there, I'm going to know. I'm going to become more prepared with some healing items and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, and, I mean, it's a matter of what you're looking for. Pokemon definitely has streamlined a lot of things. It has made a lot of things easier. But I'm looking for more of a challenge, and this game has just provided that for me. Like, even just out and about, 
Like, I'm always all like, am I going to make it to the next healing stop or am I going to have to go back and heal sooner? Like, I don't know. Um, the one neat thing it does is kind of like an Estus flask. There is a item that you can use that re- that replenishes at every healing station, but it just heals everybody in your party. Even if they're dead, it'll heal them all back to full. So you'll get slapped by a wild Temtem and then immediately have to go to the Temtem Center and heal yeah. yourself back up like you do in Pokemon. So like, you know, when I'm when I'm going through these areas, a lot of times these areas are broken into sections where there is a small healing station in the front. Like it's not as like there's not as much to do as there is in a big healing station, but you yeah. can at least top your team off. And I'm going but like I'm all like Okay, so I at least need to make it to this spot before I pop my Estus Flask, quote-unquote, and then keep going. Um, the areas are a lot bigger. That was one thing I didn't... I don't know if I necessarily had the complaint with Pokemon, but I do now. Where, like, this, like the routes were all just straightforward. There's so many things on these routes that I can't access yet. There's, like, little islands that you have to surf to. There's, like, a rock climbing thing you get later that you can come back and rock climb up to a certain area. Yeah, now that you mention it, I... That like, right now I'm noticing they did have that issue in the, in the past Pokemon games where, uh, in the original ones, you would find this rock or you would find this, this tree and you're like, I can't go past here yet. Or I remember in the third generation of Ruby and Sapphire and Emerald, uh, you would go, there was like this cool desert region, and you're like, oh, let's go in there. And they're like, hey, look, it's too, it's, there's a sandstorm going on right now. You can't physically see when you get in here. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And then I leave, and then later on, you get, you get, uh, like, safety goggles that you can wear that you can go, now you can go into the desert. And there was nothing, like, well, there was something important in there, but not story related right but it was cool like you couldn't go in there until like a certain time yeah it's the metroid and, element and, yeah that's something that you liked about uh fallen order as well it's like oh i haven't come here yet i gotta go back after this in the past sword and shield game everything was exactly where it needed to be when you had the ability to do it precisely except for like the wild area i believe like if you yeah there was some there, stuff in there like there was this there's this really high level like uh Dragon Isle, where, you know, all these, like, cool high-level Pokemon are. And you can't go in there until you learn how to, you know, go past water. Which you couldn't learn how to go past water until, apparently, your bike can ride across water now. Right. So that's what you had to do. It was it was very smaller, and the routes were a lot smaller, too. Even though they had more of a, uh, I guess, vertical yeah, like there was change. one. There was basically like one way through it. Yeah, there were but, some of those areas that like there was stuff that branched out. Yeah, but ultimately, like you just bump into a wall and go back to the main path and then continue on your yeah, way. Yeah, there there was no. Uh, when we're discussing this right now, I'm just remembering red and blue and and yellow and how big those routes are yeah. sometimes. And, and just like that, it is ultimately at the end of the day very linear. Like there's yeah. one ultimate way through, but there's just so much intricacy to it. Like. There are parts, like, I know you get a surfboard, like, that I'm working towards right now. Yeah. And, like, I want to go back to this cave I was in because I saw areas to surf and, like, multiple branches branching out of there. And I don't know if I actually need to do that or not, but it's like, I want to go do it. It was that childhood (laughs) feeling of, I can surf cross water now. I want to see where I can go now. And you find all these little secrets that you couldn't. I remember... uh, in Celadon City, there was that little patch of water where this old man was just sitting there at the end of it for some reason. 
where you're like, I can't get to him. He's how did he get there? And once you could learn surf, I think that was the first place I went to. I was like, I'm gonna find out what that old man was doing. And I do, and he like ran on the trade a ride on or something like that, and it was pretty awesome. Which something that you know it piqued that curiosity in my head, and it made me remember that that specific place is where I wanted to go as soon as I find out how to mm-hmm. get across water. Um, other things I like about the game, it's less, it's less. So that's RNG, like your attacks are guaranteed to hit. Uh, things like when you put a Temtem to sleep, like you don't have to sit there and wonder, how, like just like how many turns is it going to take for me to break out? If you sleep. get it, like there are turns, like there are different varying levels of sleep. Like you can do a two-turn sleep, a three-turn sleep. But if you attack that sleeping Temtem, it wakes it up. up. It makes sense. It's yep. not, you're not going to beat the crap out of it while it's sleeping, and it's just going to keep dozing off. Yeah, and that's very nice. There's just a lot of not wondering how long things are going to be. Like, the poison does set damage. It does a percentage of your health. Like, it doesn't... Like you're not like, is that it's poison going to... Is that a toxic poison? Yeah. Or just a naturally occurring poison? Right. Like... So that's nice. Um, one complaint I do have with that system, though, is EXP is calculated at the end. And poison will go, even if you win the fight, poison will calculate before. Uh, so there's been a lot of times where, like, only one of my Temtem have gotten experience because the other one just died of poisoning after I killed the enemy Temtem, which yeah. feels bad. Um, Kyle has said, like, he's completely, like, wiped out. Like, they've just killed them. Like, when he's fighting other trainers, they just kill each other, and they're all like, okay. Like, he still gets credit for the fight, but he backs out all the way, and he's all like, I gotta walk all the way back, you know. None of my guys got experience. Yeah, that seems like a like an oversight, not a feature. Yeah, but the nice thing is, this is early access. They are very open on their forms to feedback, and that, that's what they even said. They apparently have another game called, like, Hillbilly Joe or something like that, where it's a first-person shooter in Egypt, and um, they were all like, we want, we want the feedback this time. Uh, the, the only other thing I can think of right off the top of my head that I want to mention is the combat system. I had it a little wrong when I explained it to everybody the other day. Uh, you can, so there's a stamina system with the attacks, mm-hmm. and each attack lowers your stamina. And what happens is, is once you're towards the end of your stamina, you can either choose to rest, like I explained, or you can attack again. And whatever, like say you're at one stamina and your move consumes 13 stamina, it will take your last stamina point, and then it'll eat into your health. Ah. So there's a risk-reward there. However, if you eat into your health, they call that being exhausted. If you're exhausted, you can't attack next turn. So, like, you're leaving yourself vulnerable. You can switch out or heal still, but it's... I just like the system, because unlike Pokemon, you're not just sitting there spamming your strong move because you can't. And then it's actually, like, forcing me to use other Temtem. I'm all like, oh, man, this guy's about to run out. I really don't want him getting damaged. Let me switch to... I've got Toucan Sam. Oh, I, I, I've seen that. Yeah, you've seen Toucan Sam. I've got Toucan Sam. So, I, I'm really enjoying it. It's in early access. I mean, it's definitely it's definitely for a certain kind of person. I know a lot of people really like Sword and Shield, and that's awesome. I'm glad you really like that game, but I wasn't so high on it. So, I would recommend checking out Temtem if you're not. It's got a little taste of the old and new. I can definitely see why you'd be into that, and... I, I talked with my friend Emily, and I was like, you know, I totally understand why you wouldn't be into this game. Like, in, in comparison to all the others, it's it's a lot shorter. There's not a lot as much to do. And once you kind of start leveling up, like, competitively your Pokemon, if you're not into that, you're just done with the game. Which, unlike me, like, I, I consider, like, breeding and 
and training and trying to get certain abilities to level up and stuff like that. I consider that to be a part of the game now, in which I wasn't like that earlier on. Right. And I had to reach that because there was a point where I wasn't... The, the, game was, the games were getting harder at that point. I remember fighting Steven of the Elite Four uh, in Omega Red and Alpha Sapphire, and he, he was doing some weird... Like, he was setting stealth rocks, and like he was like healing his Pokemon using Ruse, and... He was using like uh, uh, ability boosting uh, abilities and stuff like that, and it was it, he was switching in and switching out. And I'm like, I, f- I feel like I'm fighting a person right now, <laughs> and he like he took off five of my Pokemon, and, I'm, and I was down to my last one when I beat him. And I was like, oh man, this is it. It it started leveling up in difficulty around the fourth generation. Uh, the third one was still easy; everything was getting wiped out. The introduction of Cynthia. Cynthia was the first gym leader that... I mean, not gym leader. Cynthia was the first Elite Four champion that gave me a run for my money. Like, she's terrifying. And you... I didn't have the that experience by myself because I looked online and I looked up her, her theme and I could just see in the uh, the comment section, like, everyone had a rough time with Cynthia. And I talked this up and I was like, hey, how do you feel about that Cynthia battle? And she was like, that girl is rough. And then you see her in the next generation, just in this random house, and all of her Pokemon are like level 80, and then you have to fight her again. <laughs> and then we're just like, we're going to this house, and we're like, why don't we hear boss music? And then we find out she's just waiting, and like, oh, hey, I like the look in your eyes. You want to battle? <laughs> no! And it's just this random, like, other person who wasn't even like, it's like, oh, yeah, I beat the Pokemon, Jim, uh, you know, the, the league over here. Yeah, so, the Pokemon... It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. And when you don't do it right, it invites other people. Competition. I think competition is healthy in this sort of genre. Oh, and that's what I'm so excited about. Yeah. We talk, We kind of touched on that last week, but now that I know Temtem is so good, like, I'm excited. Like, I, like if this does well, which I hope it does, Pokemon's going to have to do something. Yeah. Um, I agree. But it is kind of interesting, because it kind of, it almost feels like, you know, Sword and Shield's like Battle for Azeroth. Temtem's like classic. <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like kind of liking it so like i don't think temtem's for everybody i don't think a lot i don't think some people are gonna like it but i just hope enough people like it because it is really good i'm enjoying it i would say temtem would be the the custom servers and then pokemon hasn't released their classic yet oh god and i'm so excited because they they said they're gonna support like official nuzlocke runs and oh, stuff hey. like that like i'm, I'm excited like it, it's exciting to actually have a developer you can talk to i'm like game freak that's just all like Wait, stop making fun of us. <laughs> so, before we get off this... Uh, yes, anything else, Jordan? I, those new, are, that's it for me this week. I, I want to get back to Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, but I've been enjoying Temtem <laughs> so much. I, I've, the new update for Hades has released. They have a new Olympian, and it was Demeter. And they named her the, the Goddess of Seasons, and she's kind of like the winter one. They introduced an ice element, like a new chill element where it stacks up and then it gets like they get progressively slower uh the enemies that you inflict with this new uh status element and just like i predicted there was sort of a shatter element that you can get later on where it reaches a certain point and then it does a big chunk of damage if you stack them to their highest point and then they you know they introduce like uh new quality of life things uh to the game and stuff like that and it it's it's great to see it updates that goes very positive. Keep first, talking. I've got to take care of this dog shaking like crazy. Keep talking. Keep 
talking about your game, Jordan. Keep talking about my game. Keep talking about your game. I'll be down in a second. To myself. All right. Um, there, there's a lot of other elements to it. Uh, they added a new call, which is like a secret ultimate power that you can get if you choose to. I usually run sets that don't have it. But they actually added some negative. <laughs> they added some negative elements to this one. Oh. So they reduced the healing that you have throughout the game, so that you have to like learn to dodge, get good. Is pretty much what they're telling you. And uh, it was immediately, you know, taken back. That change was immediately taken back because they realized, hey, this game's very hard. If you try to make it harder at the baseline, because when you beat the game, you can sign contracts to make the game harder but get more rewards for it and that's how that's the run backs that you can keep going and get more stuff but you have to keep progressively making the game harder yourself and pick which like there's something that's like hey uh enemies have 15 percent more health now and then that's one level and at the next level you have to have two of those kind of things go down so you you take uh 15 more enemies 15 more health on each of them and then you keep leveling that up so you can get more stuff and you can keep going through those runs. Well, when you make the game harder on the baseline, you just multiply that by how much, like, because there was already something that was like, you take reduced healing on each floor. It's like the Super Saiyan multiplier. Yeah. You gotta get stronger in your base form so the multiplier hits harder. And that's it too. Like, But Seth was like, I think they took it out the next day because of how, like, <laughs> how bad it was. Because instead of, like, at, at the end of every boss fight, you're going to take some damage from the boss fight. Right. At the end of every boss fight, you used to heal, like, half of your health. You used to heal, like, 80. And then they cut that in half. Ooh. So you would, if when you go through a boss and you start getting slapped. Things got hairy quickly. Yeah, these guys hit you for, like, 15 damage each. Which, like, you can take a few hits before, like, you're, you lost health overall, even after the healing. But now you had to be like, you can only take like three hits before like you dipped into your health pool even after the healing you get for being the boss. So they took that away. It's gone now. I mean, it's the, it's the price you play for playing an early access game. Like, it's, there's going to be some good and bad, and that yeah. was a bad, and people clearly spoke or they saw the numbers and were all like, better change that. <laughs> yeah, we were totally into it. We were like, yeah, that's fine. It was, it was difficult. It was more difficult for a little bit. It didn't need to, and they changed it back. So that's. The quirks of being of, uh, the, of a beta being, tester, yeah, a beta tester, yeah. And it, I, I heard uh, Slay the Spire's getting another character. Ooh, so that's hot. Cool. <laughs> I haven't played that in a while. But is that game still in early access or is that it's, out? It's still in. I think it's out, and part of it, like the beta, is still in early access. Okay. Yes. So like it's out, but they're all like, oh, I'm still we're still working on it. They have like two separate games running. I think one's like the bot game and then they have like a beta for it where they test out all this new stuff and then it eventually gets put into the new, into the full game okay so like a test realm yes essentially mm-hmm. cool i like that and that's, that's pretty much what i've been playing i i've been struggling uh i played a little bit of star wars the old republic the public i try to create a nautilin and then i realized i, I actually finished the storyline of the of the new expansion not like fun. I said, it was it was very short, but I don't think it was all of it. I do not think this onslaught was it, the whole experience. It would make sense for a game that struggles with putting out new content to like space it out a little bit, like the story. Well, nothing's backing it right now. Like the money that they're getting in is paying their employees, like from the the cartel store and stuff like right. that. And what else is it doing? 
They, they pulled the plug on it like a while ago. We'll, we'll talk about it a little later. If one of our news stories is real, I think this MMO's in trouble. Oh, no. <laughs> Jordan, if you've been thinking we've had slow episodes lately, <laughs> about 36 minutes in, let's start the news. We right. have seven news items for you this week. This week we are starting with Microsoft news. Number one. Xbox Game Pass seems primed for a very big month if a tease on their Twitter page is to be believed. My information comes from Game Rant's Cameron Corliss, who says that Xbox Twitter is teasing something a big month for Games Pass service in February, noting that the tweet emphasizes a really big month, saying really multiple times. <laughs> I looked at it like one's upside down and some are <laughs> capitalized and it's, it's a little ridiculous. Um, while we don't know exactly what is coming just yet, head of Xbox Phil Spencer has been going on Japan visits very frequently to get Japanese developers on board with Xbox. Late last year, it was announced that every... Okay, this is quite the sentence, and I had to like think about it eight times while I was writing this out. So late last year, it was announced that every numbered non-MMORPG Final Fantasy game starting with seven will come to Game Pass on both Xbox and PC sometime this year. So it so could no be possible 14. that that's starting. No no 11 or no 14. I keep forgetting that 11 was an MMO. It was. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know what a big month can mean. People are hoping that Outer Wilds is coming to PC Games Pass. It's on the Xbox Game Pass. That's a neat one. That's basically like Groundhog's Day, the game, so yeah. in space. So I'd be interested in that. Otherwise, I don't have any hard predictions on this we'll just see what it is and Balls we'll report on it <laughs> moving on so there's no sony or nintendo news this year week this year no, no news this year this week um necessarily so a lot of this other stuff pertains to them though number two amidst all the other delays we talked about last week one slipped through the cracks that we did not talk about zombie game dying light 2 was also delayed via developer techland's twitter the note said the following, quote, It was a busy year for us as we continued work on our biggest project to date. We know you are awaiting the game eagerly and want to deliver exactly what we promised. We were initially aiming for a spring 2020 release date with Dying Light 2, but unfortunately we need more development time to fulfill our vision. We will have more details to share in the coming months, and we'll get back to you as soon as we have more information. We apologize for this unwelcome news. Our priority is to deliver an experience that lives up to our own high standards and the expectation of you, our fans. Please stay tuned and that you, oh my goodness, please stay tuned and that you to our fans around the world for, and thank you, oh my goodness, please stay tuned and thank you to our fans around the world for your continued support, patience, and understanding. End quote and end our game of fill in the blank. That sounds just like all the other ones we yes, read last week. Um, the most interesting thing about this delay, though, Jordan, is that there is no new time frame on when the game could possibly be coming to the table. So it could be delayed out of this year for all we know. That tells me that there's a problem that they found with the game that they don't know how to solve yet. In my, in my opinion... Or, like, it, it's something that we don't know how long it would take to fix this one thing. And like we talked about last week, or I kind of asked, at what point do some of these games just become next-gen? Maybe they realized we need more time, and at this point, what if we just made it a next-gen game? And then they're upgrading everything. The timing is certainly peculiar, and it seems to be pointing more in that direction, honestly. 
Agreed. Number three, Jordan. If you need to get caught up on the Half-Life series before you play Half-Life Alex, you are in luck. According to Na- Game Nation's Boris Bluge, all the Half-Life games will be free on Steam until the release of Half-Life Alex in March. The games included in this promotion are the following. Half-Life, Half-Life 2, Half-Life 2 Episode 1, Half-Life 2 Episode 2, Half-Life Opposing Forces, Half-Life Blue Shift, and Team Fortress Classic. <laughs> One seems what? a little what? little weird, but anyway. Uh, while a nice jester, I can't help but wonder who this is for. The Half-Life games are frequently on sales for pennies, and I have a hard time believing that anybody who's excited about Half-Life Alex wouldn't already own these games in some form or fashion. You should, yeah. I mean, again, like I said, nice gesture, but, like, seriously, like, I'm pretty sure Half-Life 1 is on sale for, like, 99 cents when it goes on sale at this point. Like, it, it was, it who was doesn't just box, have that? Man. It was put in the box. What was it, the orange box? What's that was called? Half-Life, I believe that was Half-Life 2 Chapter 1. I think that was the first expansion for that game. It, it put you, like, three other games, and they were all, like, it, it wasn't even that expensive itself. It was, like, 20 bucks, wasn't it? For all those games put together. Yeah, like, seriously, it's almost nothing. Especially yeah. at this point. Again, that's where I'm stuck here. Is at this point, if you care about a VR game so much that you're going to buy, like, a whole VR set just to play a new Half-Life game, you probably already own Half-Life. I'm surprised they haven't revisited Half-Life yet. Yeah, that, that's why this is such a big deal. Like, this yeah. is the first Half-Life we've gotten since Chapter 2. Like, you would think a, a game that's... That's you know uh, applauded for its its narrative direction, and and the way that it tells its story, would have gotten a remake by now. But and, we got Resident Evil two, like what? In chapter two, Half Life two, chapter two or episode two ends on the biggest cliffhanger in the yes. world, and this new game isn't even going to like touch <laughs> on that. This is like set between one and two. Yeah. Oh my God, Val! Stop! Stop! I don't think they're teasing them. I think they've become the meme. I just at don't this think point. they care. They're all like, we can just run a Dota 2 tournament and make all this money. It's like they're creating an artificial like shortage on their story. Hey, you guys want to make a game? Half Life 3? No. Dota card game. <laughs> oh my god. Rest... They're releasing the, the chain of memories equivalent for us right Rest now. Rest in peace. <laughs> oh god. Thank you for your segue, Jordan. Yes. Thinking of Kingdom Speaking of Kingdom Hearts, number four. Kingdom Hearts 3 Reminded DLC came out this week, and the garbage truck on fire just keeps rolling. I watched, like, all the, like, like, I watched two and a half hours of, like, the, like, cutscenes, yeah. and I'm just like, how, like, how? How how did they think this made this game any better? In fact, I'm sitting here like, what? what? Like, like it just raised more questions. I, I, I. I hate Kingdom Hearts at this point, Jordan. I can't oh, handle it anymore. It's a hard word. Use the hard H. <sighs> so how does Square p- plan to address this garbage truck? Well, according to CBR.com's Hector Ramirez II, by announcing Project Xehanort for the mobile device. The Diabloed, man. <laughs> yes, the story that won't <laughs> stop adding new wrinkles to it has announced that the mobile devices will explore Keyblade Master Xehanort's descent into darkness leading into the events of Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. No gameplay or official name has been given out at this time, but you can expect the game sometime in spring 2020. Jordan, we touched on this at some point in this podcast. Just play one, play two, watch the cutscenes for Chain of Memories. You kind of need Chain of Memories. And then stop. 
Birth by Sleep is a very good game, but don't do it. Don't open that box. Just stop at the end of two. It's true. Watch the cutscene where Sora's all like, we're home, we made it, and him and Riku yeah, and Kairi are all happy. It's... And then turn the game off. Don't watch the like back half of the credits that's, for that game that so tries true. to keep pushing it forward. You you have an end of the game right there. They made it back home. Everyone's fine. Everyone's a safe. much more satisfying ending than 3, by the way. Even the renew version of 3. <laughs> God, this game... Or you know what? If you want to keep going, play three, but then pause the like, stop the end of three, and then watch the end of two, and be like, okay. and then be reminded, and then listen to Sanctuary by Utada. My sanctuary, yeah, number five. Andy Chalk from PC Gamer has reported that Stardew Valley has sold over ten million copies. Not bad for a game made entirely by one guy, Eric Barron. Just for like some. Some context there. Capcom, a giant company, their best-selling game of all time is Monster Hunter World, about 15 million copies. That was made by how many people? Yeah. This is one guy that made all that money. Well, I'm sure he shared it with his um, publisher, but nonetheless. He originally broke the news on his Twitter saying, quote, Stardew Valley has sold over 10 million copies. It's strange and amazing to think back that when I was making this game in my bedroom with no clue if anybody would like it. Only four years ago. To everyone who has played the game and supported me and made it possible, thank you, end quote. Um, there's a great book. Um, it's by Jason Schreier of Kotaku. I believe it's called, oh gosh, what's it called? It's escaping my name, but look it up. It's his only book right now. Um, and it tells the story of a bunch of different games in development. Like it touches on Dragon Age Inquisition and that troubled cool. development and how they managed to pull it together at the end. And this is one of the chapters. Is He talks about this guy and like, he was literally just obsessive about every little detail. Like, it was delayed so many times just because he's like, I gotta keep making this, I gotta keep making this. And his girlfriend was finally eventually all like, listen, I have stuck by you through a lot of this. You just need to put this game out and make some money for us. Yeah. Probably a good idea. <laughs> I, I don't think that he's, I don't think he's hurting anymore. I love how this, like, it kind of makes fun of, like, all these big AAA game developers because this guy, he, he made this game for the computer, right? And it had all these great things in it. It had a romance system in it. It had a day and night cycle, blah, blah, blah. It had a fighting system in it. Uh, pretty archaic, but it, 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 it works for the type of style that it is. It's got fishing. It's, it's got a gift system. It's got a calendar. It's got a year system. All these, all these cool, amazing different things. And then people are like, hey, can we play this with our friends? And he's like, sure. And then he, made a, he put a multiplayer in. And then they're like, hey, look, this game's really awesome. You know what would be great if you put it on the Switch? He's like, sure. And then he put it on the Switch. And he's like, can we have multiplayer on the Switch? You sure can. And he gave us all those things, these things that people beg video game developers for. And they're like, no. Make, maybe the next one. One guy. One guy was like, sure, let's put it in. Sure, let's put it in. Granted, I'm not. I'm. I'm kind of like building this up a little bit. Obviously, it's a little more difficult with these big games that usually have like huge networks devoted to them, their own like multiplayer and stuff like that. But but it should be a wake up call. For it them. should be a wake up call. Like literally, like look, we ask like with these early development indie games, like we can communicate with the developers what we want. They give us what we want. We buy their game. Mm-hmm. Novel thought. Novel thought. It's kind of <laughs> like if you you know appeal to your customers. They'll give you exactly what you want. Oh, really? I'll keep throwing money at a game that I've already purchased if it keeps giving me what I want. 
I'm like, if you give me if you give me more of a reason to play your game for, you know, not to play the other game that I had, like that's money. You you made another game for me. I'm willing to pay. I, I'll I'll shell out the extra money for you. Right on, Jordan. Speaking of big games, <laughs> number six. Could fans be finally about to get the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake they've been dreaming of? IGN's Adam Bankers reported on the rumor, saying that if reports are to be believed, the remake would be, quote, integrate elements from the first two games in order to bring certain things into the current Star Wars canon. Another source described it as not so much a remake, but a sequel of sorts, end quote. So it seemed that the games could be getting remade, but also including new content. So it's almost like they're combining both games. So I don't know if they're taking parts out of the game or not. But it almost seems like they're going to put a fresh coat of paint on it and everything. That's what I'm getting out of this anyway. Mm-hmm. Leading credibility to this rumor is the fact that Kathleen Kennedy has confirmed that while she's not trying to bury the franchise, it is working on something in the Old Republic timeline. And it's just recently, with the release of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker revealed, uh, Darth Revan is officially back in the mm-hmm. canon. It would be interesting to learn more, but is likely an announcement of this caliber would be saved for the EA Play event that runs in parallel to E3. So they can... I, I kind of know what they're going for, because this isn't much of a spoiler, because I'm not saying names or anything like that. But the main character of the first Knights of the Republic game and the main character of the second one meet up at some point after the ends of both their respective games... And they have their own journey together that's explored in comics. And then stuff happens, stuff happens. 300 years pass, the Old Republic MMO starts then. But a part of a lot of that story led into, like, there's, there's a lot of key characters that are within that game that are in the Old Republic. Because the dark side let them live for quite a long time and blah, blah, blah. So if this third game is what I think it is, it could just be the missing piece that, of the 300 years that we were looking for. And that would be pretty awesome. I would love that. The only thing I would worry about is yes. if it, the Old Republic is basically just paying for itself at this point. If this comes out, this is going to sell gangbusters. Like if it is just the single player game that people have wanted, it's going to sell gangbusters. And at that point, I worry about the MMO because they're just going to... I feel like EA would just be like, oh, wait a minute. People have been telling us they just want single-player Star Wars games. Shut that one down. Let's get these single-player games rolling. I, mean, I think I think the Old Republic is a good single-player game. I just if they took away all the multiplayer elements of the Old Republic, I'd still play. It. Well, and yeah, and that's fine. But the, to my point, there, like right now, it is still an MMO. You play it as a single-player game, but it's still technically an MMO. They're paying for MMO. those servers. So, like, ultimately, at a certain point, yeah, you could just remake. The MMO into just like a, its own single player game. Uh, you can get rid of every single MMO element of that game, and I would I would play it the same way. <laughs> and I I encourage everyone that loves Star Wars to go and play the Old Republic. It's free just to get the story modes out. Imagine of it. if you remade it with a slightly more actiony combat. If system. it wasn't an MMO, yeah, it'd be amazing. Well, then I don't, I, I like tab-targeting MMOs just fine, but I'm just saying, like, if you were to make it like a true single-player game, just imagine making it just a little bit more action If you and... If you took uh, the Old Republic and gave it, like, a Dragon Age 2 feel, that'd be pretty good. Dragon Age 2, by itself, I didn't like very much, but its action system was kind of a different game than what we were given in Origin.
Origins, and I kind of like I kind of like the action system too. Like it was it was more like spammy. I like sometimes I just want to spam a button, man. I'm just like, what? How do you attack? I just hit the same button over and over and over again. I'm fine with that. All right, number seven, Jordan, our last news item. And if you can't yes. tell, I've had a hard time reading today because I didn't read through the show prior <laughs> to. I try, I usually try to do that because a lot of times I'll catch, like, mistakes in my typing or anything. But yeah. just didn't have time today, so sorry about that. Anyway, if you were like most of the gaming world, you were disappointed when Ko- Konami and Kojima split and their Silent Hills project was canceled. However, PC gamers Jody McGregor may have some good news for fans of the series. According to the report... Leaker Aesthetic Gamer, who correctly leaked information on Resident Evil 7 DLC and Re- the Resident Evil 3 Remake, has said that Konami has reached out to developers for them to pitch them on two different Silent Hill games. One would be a soft reboot of this series, while the other would be an episodic game, kind of like Telltale Games or Until Dawn. He goes on and says he believes that these two games are still in development, although he hasn't heard anything concrete in at least two years. Man, that... Co- like if they kind of go with that Kojima thing they had going on, that that demo for that was incredible. That playtest. The to give people some background, they released a, a playtest. It was literally called PT, and it was it was leading up to a Silent Hill game that was Norman Reedus. It was Norman's Re- Norman the, Reedus, the, and the, I believe that's what Death Stranding would have been, but they kind of just like... No, Death Stranding is a completely is, is different Is it a completely game. different game? A completely different the, game. They were just like... Silent hey, look, Hills is a horror game. We're just like, hey Norman, we canceled your game, do you want to be in my PT game? Is, my or, I was just about to say, PT, Silent Hills is a horror game. Uh, Death Stranding, from what I'm aware of, is basically like a walking simulator. Like, a good one, yeah. but a walking simulator. Uh, it this this trailer was so good, it, people loved it so much that when they took the trailer off the the store, PS4s that had this trailer went up in price. Yeah, they still sell for like two hundred, three hundred bucks. Yeah, you can definitely get pretty much your market value back if you have PT on your on your PS4. That's how much people loved this game. I screwed up when I when I um. Did you uninstall it? Well, I what happened was is I switched. I, I took the 500 gig hard drive out. Yeah. And put my terabyte in that I'd bought for my PS4. Yeah. And then I needed a hard drive for my computer at one point. Oh. So I plugged that 500 gig in and it formatted it, of course, because it yeah. can't use the PS4 one. And yeah, the PT was on that 500 gig one. Wow, how much money do you think you lost? <laughs> 200 to $300. dollars <laughs> It's just a hard drive, right? You could just... You can I don't know. It. That's actually a good question. I assume you would... I assume you would have to have, like, the account attached to it. Touche, yeah. Otherwise, they could just be like, oh, bought that for $200, $300. Get out of here, kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, it was scary. Like, legitimately yeah. unsettling. And that's, that's the only connection I have to Silent Hills, was the PT, so... And then they were putting scary parts in the game that we weren't even experiencing because someone came out with that mod that lets yeah. you look behind you. And then... The crazy lady's yeah, following you the, the entire time. You get this feeling when you're playing this game like there's someone watching you. And that you, like, you can kind of like feel like someone's watching you or like someone's right behind you. And then there's parts in the game where they're like, don't look behind you. She's right there. And if you look behind you, sure enough, she's right there. But uh, someone came out with a modification of the game that allows you to look directly behind you without your character actually having to turn around, which would either trigger her to go somewhere else 
like to disappear or for to trigger like the death animation and that's it. Uh, she's behind you the whole time. Like they didn't need to put her behind you the whole time. They could have just had her show up if you turned your camera. She's like it too. She is. It's <laughs> <laughs> the camera. Yeah, she and she's looking at the camera. Yeah, it's creepy. Like they had animations for her and everything like that that you wouldn't see unless this happened to. Her. It 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 just goes to show you that this had so much potential, and then because of, I don't know, the falling out, we lost this amazing game that could have been, probably could have reintroduced the horror genre, but instead they went for Resident Evil. Se- uh, was it six? Seven. Seven. Seven was the like yeah, yeah. return to form. Resident scary. Evil Seven was the one that kind of put the horror games back on the map for a little bit, and then it. In my opinion, I feel like it gassed out, but people still didn't capitalize on yeah, it. Yeah, they started doing all the remakes, which is fine, but, like, it's like, where's 8? Like, yeah, give me 8 in one. here. Yeah. yeah. And this game would have brought it back sooner, in my opinion. This this would have brought back Silent Hill. Yeah. Horror, horror, just in general, like, movies, games, as a genre, like, it's so easy just to do and not yeah. be good. So people just crave good horror. Yeah. It, it, it brings out that longing because we want more than just a cheap jump scare in our games. Uh, Unless you put a teenage love story on it until dawn, baby! <laughs> Unless you put animatronics in it. Oh, Five Nights at Freddy's! <laughs> was it you that showed us that game? Who showed us that game originally? It was either me or your sister. Somebody was showing it to us at like a, a Saturday night, so it couldn't have been my we sister. We played it at a yeah. Saturday night. Was it you that brought it up then? Five Nights at Freddy's? Yeah. I think it was more than just me talking I, I, about Well, it. I remember somebody, whoever like actually bought the game and it was like our copy we were playing that I night. I don't have that game. Okay, so maybe Josh or somebody. It had to be somebody. Somebody was sitting there telling us about how rare the Golden Freddy no, was. No, it was me. I told you guys because I looked so up like, on I've it. never seen Golden Freddy before. And literally like five seconds into Derek's first run, Golden Freddy just pops up and kills him. Okay, just to give you guys some... some uh some background on this so if you look up on the wiki you'll find like certain game elements of five nights at freddy's the original one and you'll see it tells you explicitly when you're looking at golden freddy they're like he does not show up until day three like he he is impossible to spawn on day three wrong yeah (laughs) he showed up on day two and it was it was right after i was done explaining it he turned the camera and then he was right there, and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna see this, aren't I?" And then he went back to the uh, the room that you're that you you know go back to neutral in, and he freaked everyone out. And it closed the game, and that scared the heck out of me. I was like, "Oh, that's not supposed to happen." Oh, like who? Someone did this research and posted on the wiki, and they're wrong. And that's a game that seriously. We take it for granted a little bit now because they've like literally just beat us over the head with it. But yeah. like when that first game came out, that was novel. Yeah, it that was. was really cool. It made a lot of YouTubers and money. It's that's for sure. So disappointing that it's just like, like now these days I see like new Five Nights at Freddy. I'm like, who cares? What are what <laughs> what could you possibly be doing? It got Sonic, man. It got Sonic. <laughs> All right, Jordan. We're moving on to emails. We got an email this week, but it's also going to be our topic of the week. Yeah. So if somebody wanted to email us, Jordan, where could they email us? You can us? email us at brotakumoc at gmail.com. If you have sent us an email recently, let me, like, message me on Facebook or something and let me know. Because we actually got this email on the 31st of December. 
And it literally did not pop up until I hit refresh, because normally I oh. don't actually hit refresh on the email, because it's supposed to do that on its own. And then, luckily, Mike sent two copies, like because, again, like this week he's all like, hey, you haven't talked about this yet. Oh. So... I might be, I might not be getting emails, is what I'm saying. But anyway, this is from Mike Tapainer, uh, a long one. I'm going to read through the whole thing, and this is our topic of the week because I think it is a good email. How do you feel about games as a service? What games get it right, and which games do you feel like use this model only to scrape more cash from players? Most games today build around this idea and present a roadmap for the next X years, yet I feel these roadmaps fall short of expectations such as Fallout 76, or others get abandoned entirely, opting for cosmetics and or loot boxes such as Battlefield slash Battlefront and the Call of Duty series. Games I feel either get it right or at least close to what I would perceive as consumer-friendly would include games like Path of Exile, which is a free-to-play and adds new content throughout the year. Destiny 2 would also be a good example, which now sports a free-to-play mode with access to the first year's worth of content and season pass. But for the players who have been invested for the past five years, they're still only seeing admission prices of $60 to $80 annually for major content drops and season pass support throughout the year. This is beneficial to these Destiny 2 players, including myself, because we're already paying for the DLC content, but now we are receiving extra benefits that we didn't used to, such as extra cosmetic ships, sparrows, emotes, ornaments slash skins, uh, seasonal quests, and challenges. What are your thoughts, and which games do you feel like get this wrong and right in your opinion? Would you like to start, Jordan? Yes. I think games that have season passes are scams. <laughs> it depends. For me, and I'll just kind of chime in here, it all depends on whether or not the game's free-to-play or not. That's the first starting point for me. I agree. Um, if a game is premium, if you pay for a game, there should not be loot boxes in your game. Yeah, payable loot boxes. Yep. If it's if they're loot boxes you get from playing the game, I'm okay with that. That's fine. I mean, it, it just makes it so that you play the game longer, which in my opinion is the reason why you bought the game in the first place is to play it. But if it's like, if especially if the loot boxes have things in it that change, like they're they're uh, they put a gameplay element into it, like you're better because of it. It's pay to win. Get those out of there. Now you're just trying to get my money. But even then, it depends how it's done for me. So like a game like Overwatch, for example, has loot boxes. You don't have to pay to get loot boxes. However, when you get the loot boxes, you're not guaranteed to get exactly what you want. Yeah. And at this point in Overwatch, there is so much. I feel like it is absolute horse duty that I can't just get what I want. Like, I should, like, if you want me to pay, which I don't even think you should be paying for loot boxes or anything in that game, you should just be unlocking towards whatever you want. It's a $60 game, $40, whatever it's going for these days. I've spent the money. If I, like, the whole game is these skins. So, like, it might not give me, like, an advantage, but, like, it is the thing you're supposed to be chasing after in this game. Like, I want the ability to just get what I want because there's just so much at this point where you're. There's no way you're going to get exactly what you want unless you're, like, incredibly lucky. Yes, I I agree. Um, I, I think a system that implements you being able to sell skins that you got that you didn't want, not just if they're duplicates, because if you get duplicates in Overwatch, they just convert it into gold, and you can use that gold to buy whatever skin you want that is currently not locked. And those are, like, the winter skins and Halloween skins and stuff like that that are locked to the season or to a special event that happened. Um, but if you get, like, 
let's say I got a legendary and it's a Zenyatta skin that I really didn't want instead of a skin that I was actively I actively wanted to work towards. Uh, and since I didn't have that skin already, it wasn't converted into gold. I had to keep that skin forever. And if I could sell it, that would be amazing. I would just want to get the skin that I want. Uh, but that takes away the element of buying loot boxes. So that one is a bit scrapey. That one kind of is greedy and wants your money. Just a little bit. Is it necessary? It's not like Hearthstone, which you were complaining about last week, as you need to buy packs. Yes, yeah, you have to. You there's, cannot there's play no against way. these people that have bought packs. If you introduce to the element of of paying, paying for these packs that have a, a gameplay element behind it, that you are going to lose to people that spent more money, and that's pay to win. That is an extremely scummy way to do it. I'm actually kind of interested to look into Legends of Runeterra, which is the League of Legends card game, yes. which apparently like you're not building up towards packs. You're building up with a currency to buy specific cards. Which like brings... You can actually go in and get the cards you want. Yes, which brings me to... Uh, okay, I rip on this game a lot, but it brings me to a great free-to-play model that still makes a disgusting amount of money, League of Legends. League of Legends, completely free, 100%. Uh, you can buy more room pages, but what I do is I on my second monitor, I set up uh, the rooms that I need, and I change the rooms before each game starts. The lobby will pop up, and it will give you time while the people are selecting their characters for you to go in and select which runes you want. So all you need is one page, honestly. So you don't need to buy a ton of different pages and stuff like that. Uh, the, the summoner spells are unlocked through game level, and the only things you have to pay for are cosmetic items. Now, I still have spent more than a grand on this free-to-play game. Right. From, from back in the day. Because I spent so much time on this game, you want to see your favorite little pixels look better as different little pixels and I can't explain it worse than that. And we've talked about this before. Like, these are our opinions. Ultimately, if you feel like you're getting value, go for it. Like, whatever. It's your money. Like, you're allowed to do what you want with it. Yeah. Um, another game, kind of to your point, uh, Fortnite, I feel like, does it very well. Um, yeah. The prices can be a little egregious, but that's with anything. Like, if a game is completely free to play, in my mind... Like any game that is completely free that's to play, if money. they have if they have microtransactions that do not give you a inherent gameplay advantage, I'm fine with them. Yeah, and that's how Fortnite does it. At least the battle royale mode, where like you're buying just skins, cosmetics, things to look neat. Now, are you gonna look dumb when you explain to people that you spent money on cosmetics in a free to play game? I guess maybe, but who cares? <laughs> Again, if you're getting value out of it, what's, yeah, a, what's exactly? If you're playing, if you're playing a game that's completely free to play, and you get X hours of enjoyment. Like, what's, what's wrong with spending twenty dollars on it That's to support what I'm it? Saying. I'm like, I, I, you know what? I'm an adult. I worked a hard yeah. day at work. I'm gonna play my game. I'm gonna and spend twenty dollars to it. get Ray and yeah, Fortnite. <laughs> exactly. So screw you, people that judge. I resisted. I did not spend twenty dollars on Ray and Fortnite. <laughs> I was you talking really about wanted it. To. I really wanted you to. You really wanted to. You wanted to be Kyle Ren, and you wanted to get that lightsaber in the game, and. God, we were twerking on kids with those lightsabers. Those lightsabers are so fun, man. I love playing with them. Uh, there, were, there were so many bad examples of the the system. Fallout 76, and we proved the the power of the of the people's dollar with Fallout 76. Because we, we as a gaming community, we shut that game down. We're like, Bethesda, take this back. If you do this ever again, we're done. <laughs> we're like you're on probation 
We're going to keep a steady eye on you. And if you ever release something this blatant. Like, it was so blatant that everyone else around them were, like, were like looking at it. And were like, okay, can you, like, not make it obvious so we can get away with stuff like this? <laughs> like, if it's bad that other companies are, like, do tone it down a bit. You're going to get us in trouble. <laughs> then it's bad. And, uh, and you see that so much more recently. And it's really a shame because people that play games, we we do it because we want to have fun, and it's a way of it's a it's a fun, safe way of you know spending your time. But that doesn't mean we're making top dollar, right? So when you try to squeeze more out of us simply out of greed, not because like hey, look, we're crowdfunding this new thing, and we're gonna send out this new cosmetic item. If you want to buy it, it'll go directly towards what we need to do, like what we want to do later, right? Take our money. Give us the free stuff. That's a good reason. Uh, I think an example of another game that does this horribly wrong, and I don't know about the newest one, but Call of Duty in the past has been a terrible, terrible way to do things. Because what's really scummy about Call of Duty, again, I don't know about the most recent Modern Warfare, but Black Ops 4 came out, had no microtransactions, and it had nothing extra you could buy. So then they got good reviews based off that alone. Yeah. Then they added in a season pass... They added in a store where you could buy exactly what you want. They added in basically every form of nickel and diamond microtransaction on top of a game that already cost $60. And some of those in that game were power increases. Like, you were getting stronger off them. And that, again, there, like, I don't care if it is a free-to-play game. If you're offering power sources, get out of here. Nope. So I'll offer a positive and negative of season passes. A positive would probably be Super Smash Brothers. They offer a, a free fighter season pass, or you can just buy the ones that you want. You can you can buy a season pass, and you can get every single fighter as they come out immediately, and they'll get downloaded and whatever, and they give it to you for a discounted price, and they give you everything that's within it, uh, soundtracks, new stages, things like that. And if you like Smash Brothers, you're going to want the new characters anyways. So, of course, you're going to buy the season pass. A bad season pass are the ones that don't allow you to play the game unless you have a season pass which is most of these multiplayer games it's like oh you can still play single player like this is a this is a shooting game why would i play single player i'm just going to be shooting bots right and that's horrible <laughs> and it's been that way for a long time and i've never understood why people buy season passes i think timing for season passes for me are a big thing like to your point smash brothers did it right like they announced i think they announced the season pass like the day before the game came out at the game awards yeah when they announced joker which makes me think okay you're done with the game now you're working on the season pass i don't like when season passes are announced like four months out from a game uh an example for that for me is spider-man as good as that game was they announced that they announced the dlc season pass prior to the game coming out which makes me think you wanted to put this stuff in the game, but you ran out of time. So instead of being, instead of like delaying the game, you thought, "Oh, what if we just change our season pass to be the content we had to cut from the game because we don't know how to manage our time." And you'll you'll start to see these patterns if if you're new to gaming, if you haven't been around for as if you haven't been gaming your whole life, you'll start to see these patterns where um, they're where you're starting to get scammed. Like like you said with that with, with Spider-Man, if they announce DLC at the beginning and they you have to pay for it and the game hasn't even been released yet, they're that's unacceptable. But if it's a game like 
like Monster Hunter World and Iceborne and, and whatever. And they constantly give you new updates and you've already paid for the game and they're asking that you you get like they're not asking for any more money. They're like, hey, we're gonna give you this game. It's a workable game. It's a whole game. That's the key word. It's the whole game. And then we're gonna give you a little bit extra that we wanted to do and we wanna keep working on it. So you you know, you keep playing our game. And that's it that's goodwill. That's not trying to get more money from you. That's like, hey, this is all the stuff that we wanted to put in the game, but we're gonna give you the full game and then this stuff doesn't make it complete, it just makes it better. That's yeah, that's how you should do it. That's how you should do it. Because they're constantly Monster Hunter World is constantly putting in new game I mean new monsters, new fights, new zones, new weapons, new events. Constantly new events. So you put in crossover events. You can play as The Witcher. Uh, just recently, you can play as the Resident Evil Two characters and stuff like that. And they're doing all this for free after you already bought their expansion. They're like, "Hey, thanks for giving us a little bit more money to do the stuff that we love. We're gonna give some back to you by releasing this stuff periodically after we take our time with it." And we don't. We're okay with that. We're like, "Hey, it's free content. It's free updated content for a game I already bought. Of course, I'm gonna tune in and play it again." Another scummy game for me, and it's interesting that Mike brings up Destiny 2, because I kind of feel like that's kind of turned into a scummy game, especially since it's gone free-to-play, yeah. at least with the early stuff. Um, I don't actively play Destiny 2, I will say that, so Mike is Mike's definitely coming from a place of experience when he talks about it, and he talked about wanting to be on the show next month, so maybe we can bring a good Destiny 2 topic to the table then, but... Um, what I've been reading is the problem... Destiny 2 almost has the same problem that World of Warcraft's run into. Ultimately, Destiny 2 is a subscription game. Yeah. You're buying your season passes and all that to keep playing the new content. You're just paying for it all at once. You're spending like $80 or whatever, you know, for the next chunk of the next year or whatever it is, you know? Just like in World of Warcraft, you're paying 15 bucks a month. And where the issue they're running into is the same pro- complaint I have with World of Warcraft, where... Some of the coolest stuff is on the cash shop, or it's some sort of you have to spend extra money. I'm already paying a subscription fee for these games, and I'll speak more to World of Warcraft because that's where I come from. Like, I'm already paying for this game monthly. Like, why can't I get that cool flying rat mount in game? Like, why isn't there a way to get By in doing game? Some why do I have to spend money on top of already spending money to play your game? And that is a complaint, again, I don't personally play Destiny 2, but what I've read about Destiny 2 is since they've had to rely more on the cash shop with a free-to-play mode, which is fine, but they keep putting cool things in the cash shop, like cool cosmetics, which is frustrating people who are paying the, like, 20 bucks, however many months, every month for the new season, Mm -hmm. and they're just all like, why can't I earn this stuff in-game? I'm spending money already, like... And that's the nice thing about that game is I think if you do spend money, they do give you some of that currency, but not at a rate in which you can keep up with the amount of cool stuff that you want. Uh, Interesting that you mentioned Destiny because when I was first thinking about playing Destiny, the original one, uh, and whenever I'm like, oh, Destiny wasn't that fun, whatever, I played a little bit of it and I wasn't really interested. And like, oh, wait, but like the DLC made that game really good. And I'm like, but you're missing the point. Like, I'm not going to buy a game just because you say the DLC fixed it on what was already a game that wasn't very good to begin with, in my opinion. And then people constantly, I, I think it was like, uh, what was it, Fallen King or... or Taken no, King. Taken King. They were like, hey, Taken King fixes the game. It fixes the narrative. It makes the, the, the gameplay a lot better, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, 
that's adding more money. I have to buy this like base game on top of this expansion in order for it to be what I want it to be in the first place. Well, and until they went free to play, I thought Destiny had a good model where they would always just come out with the new version of the game. So like, I think after Taken King, I don't know if Taken King did it, but after Taken King, they started like when you bought Rise of Iron, you still spent like the sixty dollars it was for the game, but you got everything, yeah, like, including that. So like, you just kind of like how Star Wars: The Old Republic does it, yeah. where you get all the DLC. You just get everything for buying it. But they definitely now that they've gone to the season thing, you get like everything leading up to that expansion that you buy, but you still have to pay throughout that expansion for the season. Kind yeah. Of yeah. So. Yeah. Which, again, isn't necessarily bad, but then when you throw a cash shop in to get the cool-looking stuff, With it's a little that frustrating. Just, hey, when you noticeably see, like, hey, there's not a lot of cool stuff in here, but the cash shop, now that, now they put new stuff in there, then you start to have that thought in your mind that's like, was this stuff going to be in the game originally? And then they maybe they ran out of time, or they just really wanted to make an extra quick bucks off of this, and they just made it into the cash shop item instead? Because some of those mounts seemed like they should have been in the game. Like the the nightsaber mount, it came out in Drenor early, and then you'd find a bunch of nightsabers in the next expansion, but that sounds like something that could have probably gone in with a pre patch or something like that. That that would have been pretty awesome in my opinion. I I there's a lot of bad models and and gamers like game companies are getting very greedy, but we're starting to notice and we're starting to band together with our opinions and we're starting to shut it down. And you've got to vote with your wallet. Ultimately, these people don't care. There was a good, there was a good, um, a good read. It was like the the top selling games of the decade. Yeah. And for as much as people complain all the time about Call of Duty, literally every Call of Duty that's come out in the past decade was on that list. I like, hate it. I'm sorry, but unless you're willing to vote with your wallet, they don't care because as long as they're getting your money, they don't care. Well, you guys should take a break from the next shooty shooty game that comes out. Unless you like the shooty shooty game, though, you can Again. like the shooty shooty game, but if if you have you do not have a right to complain. If agreed, yeah. If you buy this game and, it, and you know because they tell you all the flaws about it before it comes out, and they're like, "Hey, new DLC, we're gonna release the game here. It's pay, you have to pay for it." That's a re- that's a red flag right there. But I think that's part of the problem. Me and you are very plugged in on video games and the industry as a whole. The, the guy who owns a PS4 and buys Madden or FIFA every year and Call of Duty every year doesn't care. He buys two games a year. What's I'm going to drop... He's, he doesn't mind dropping a couple bucks to... Well, Aaron, I, I hope those people listen to this show then so they can stay in tune so like the rest of us. So they can get educated. Yes, get educated with where you're putting your money because let me, get, let, you, let me tell you guys something. Fallout 76, I think it dropped to 20 bucks within two weeks. Oh, they were like bundling it with controllers like yes. a week later or it something crazy like that. It was a sixty dollar game, and it had a it had like a collector's edition and everything like that. Call that collector's edition. <laughs> it dropped forty dollars, the quickest it's ever dropped. That's like two years. It's what do you been think you market. can get the game for today? Let's let's look this up. You could probably get it for free uh, in some Fallout. <laughs> somebody's just all like, "Please take this game They're off my account." Burying all our copies in a freaking like hole in the Nevada desert right now. Uh, Best 19... Buy, nineteen ninety nine. eBay, seven ninety nine. Walmart, fifteen forty two. GameStop, fourteen ninety nine. So it's got a two point two on the on the rating scale. Wow. Uh, 
Yep, uh, the Google rating scale. Ooh, let's see what the top... Let's read some of the comments on this. James R. 12-24-19. Bethesda is now offering a ridiculously expensive subscription model for a broken feature. Maybe they're getting to where they can't keep funding development, or maybe they enjoy giving a huge FU to their community. Whatever the case, I no longer recommend this game. That's that's saying from a guy that played the game, thought it was all right, and then they screwed him over even more to the point where he's like, I no longer recommend this game. Dylan Jones, two months ago, my best friend, Lathan Toad, loves the heck out of this game. What kind of name is Lathan Toad? He says the content is amazing, it plays smoothly, and he claims it's by far the best Fallout game ever, and that Fallout 4 is complete and other garbage. He loved it so much that he paid for Fallout First $100 edition. One of his favorite mechanics is being able to fall through the map in floating midair with amazing lighting glitches. <laughs> he loves the way the death clawed back at him instead of attacking him. But by far the biggest, the best glitch he's experienced was falling from the highest point in the map and only taking 2 HP damage. And the Atom Shop is amazing, with great deals like a blue shirt for $19 and wood for $5. He's put over $900 into loading screens, but this game is flawless in every way. And if you think differently, please play that trashy game called Skyrim. 47 people found that useful. It was useful. My god, I'm taking a good segment. We're going to like pick up crappy games and read through some reviews. This is a huge victory for gamers. In my opinion, what happened to Fallout 76? Even though I love Fallout, I played the heck out of three, out of four, out of and New this Vegas. This the brand. This 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 like ruins it. Honestly, <laughs> like the next game they come out with is gonna be under so I mean, much. Especially scrutiny. when you consider even four. Four was good, but it was just more three. Yeah, which <laughs> three was amazing. So people were okay with four. They're like. We're starting to like maybe next time you should put a little more in. We're okay. We're like we're okay with this. A little but more maybe, in. Like we're like oh you mean more money? You want to give us more money for this? Yeah, it's great. Just to let you guys know, twenty bucks is the average cost for about an indie game, and and Bethesda is a huge, huge game developer. PS4 version of Fallout. Oh, that's Fallout Four. Yeah. Oh, Fallout seventy six. Fallout seventy six on. Amazon fifteen ninety nine discounted seventy three percent on PS4. Yeah, look at how much you save. It says fifteen ninety nine for all the versions. Oh my goodness! You can buy Fallout seventy six, Death Stranding, and Days Gone for ninety two dollars and fifty seven cents. And that's just Days Gone and Death Stranding. <laughs> two of those games are good, yeah. <laughs> or at least decent. Yeah, that's that's insane. So yes. People that are saying like your vote doesn't matter or your you know your opinion with your enough of you've got to do it. If enough of you do it and enough of you get together and say we don't deserve this, we we deserve better than this. It'll work. This worked. This proved it. Bethesda is huge. Okay. If everyone and and I, I I guarantee it the same way with World of Warcraft because we got mad at Draenor. They came out with Legion. Legion was a great expansion, and then they dropped the ball again. So if you do the same thing, if, if you guys just band together and say enough is enough, they can't fund their, their greediness with no one buying their game. So please, restrain yourselves. Agreed. Jordan, it's time to put a bow on this week's episode. It's been a good one. We got some of our length back here. Giggity. Um, <laughs> next week, we're going to start, in lieu of topic of the week, we're going to start our, our little series, our segment on games, gaming on a budget. 
I think we're going to talk specifically next time about the subscription services for the two consoles. So Xbox Live Gold and PlayStation Plus. So if you have any comments, questions, concerns on that, please email us at brotakumoc at gmail.com so we can include you in the show. Jordan, let's get out of here. Until next week, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jordan. Bye!